You know, if, uh, most people tell me that I'm, try, I'm healthier than, than most people and I try to stay in shape, I try to run and all this other stuff, but, but I've uh, always known something that, you know, when I look at it, it's never really good or maybe it's marginal and, and you can't really tell from looking at somebody if they, if they have this condition. But when I started, you know, going to, I got a new doctor and I went in a couple of times and when he took my blood pressure, it was, it was really high, like crazy high. And so, uh, you know, I decided like, um, I don't like that because it doesn't matter how healthy the rest of my body is, I can have a good, strong heart, I can be, you know, lift weights, I can run a marathon and do all these things, but if my blood pressure is high, it's a problem. And so I did what I always do. I, I become very obsessive about it and I, and I do something about it. I try to fix it. I mean, I could sit around and say, oh, I, I wish you know, my blood pressure is lower, or I could sit around and say, you know, it's called the silent killer, so I'm not gonna hear from it um, until it hits, so why do I care? Or I could say, you know, I'll take care of that, you know, five years from now when I'm less busy or something like that. But no, I decided to do something about it. And so I started doing something about it. I started doing research and, you know, what, uh, you know, what makes blood pressure, you know, drop? What foods make it drop? What are the causes? I, I started to do this thing called intermittent fasting, which is I eat in like an eight-hour window and not in, you know, um, you know 16 hours I don't eat. Um, so I started doing that. You know, I, I was always running. I was always eating relatively healthy food. I couldn't really change those things. But I did what I could and I attacked the problem. And so I've, in the last few months, I've, I've seen blood pressure steadily go down. I mean, I pretty religiously take my blood pressure every morning. But the point was is that I realized it wasn't good enough to be mostly healthy. It wasn't good enough to just know what the problem is. And it wasn't good enough for everybody around me to say, you're really healthy if I knew that there was something that wasn't healthy, I needed to do something about it. I needed to, and what I do is I attack it, you know? And of course, by the way, if blood pressure is your issue and then you think you're gonna attack it, it makes your blood pressure go up. So <laughs> I had to attack it in a calm way. So when we think of this, you know, for the past year, year and a half, we've been talking about healthy church. And a healthy church doesn't mean we don't have healthy parts. It, you know, if you're not a healthy church, it, it doesn't mean you're, you know, that there's nothing healthy. There can be a lot of healthy parts. But just like blood pressure, if one crucial thing is not healthy, it's going to lead to problems, either right now, today, or it's going to lead to problems down the road. Unfortunately, I can't do for the church what I do for myself. Because I can, you know, I can make myself do all these things. I can make myself, you know, go and exercise when I'm super tired and it's been a long day and I've been at, you know, church all day and all these other things and, you know, had to do all these meetings and counseling and all this other stuff. 
but I can still make myself go. I can, I can make myself, you know, change my eating habits. I can make myself do all these things. But with the church, it's, it's different because I can't make anybody do anything. And, it's, and it really wouldn't be healthy if I did because part of being healthy is we understand what God is trying to do with our church and then we begin to say, what, is, what do I need to work on? What do I need to do? How do we come together? And so all this time talking about healthy church for the past year and, year and a half or so, and we're going to still talk about healthy church, but as we're leaving First John, I just wanted to take this point before I even start the last sermon to say this. This sermon series for the past year and a half is a complete failure if you have not at least begun to think about what a healthy church is and have trying to understand more of what God wants us to be as a church. That's like bottom line. You've got to at least start thinking that a lot of things you thought were a healthy church were, were, were not necessarily a healthy church or they were just kind of a, a step along the way. Yesterday, you know, we had our first track meet of the season for Kalani High School. So, you know, when I'm there, and, and it's always interesting when the first-year runners are there because the first-year runners haven't compared themselves to anything except practice. You know, they've been at practice, and they might think they're fast, or if they don't think they're fast, they think their teammates are fast. And then when we go to the first meet where there's seven or eight other schools, it's kind of this rude awakening. Because before that, they thought, you know, I'm not as fast as my teammate, but if I, I'm kind of close. So if I keep working, I can get there. And so they, they think they're close. But then they go to these track meets where there's students from all over, and all of a sudden they realize there's much higher levels I never dreamed were possible. They see people doing things and running times and jumping and doing all these other events in a far more advanced way. And, you know, the, sometimes it's discouraging. We try to prepare them for that. We try to tell them, look, guys, when that happens, we want you to know you can get there. But until they actually see it, they don't know where there is. I hope for the past year and a half, we've done a better job of saying where there is, where a healthy church is. Because a lot of churches stop because they only compare themselves to themselves or to other churches they've been a part of. And they think that's, as, that's you know, we're, we're close. But again, when we see what God says a healthy church is, that it's a, it's a body of Christ so bound together by God's love that it's not a, it, it, that we can actually feel, we feel joy when others are rejoicing. We feel pain when others are suffering. We care about one another, not just words. We care about one another, not just when bad things happen to them. Most churches are good. Most people are good at caring for people when when tragedy strikes, but we care about them every day. And that 
that what happens in a healthy church is even if we're here today, over time we get closer and closer and closer to one another. We know each other more. We love each other more deeply. We help each other. And sometimes that means we're going to clash. Remember, iron sharpens iron. Iron cannot sharpen iron if one piece is over here and one piece is over here. Iron can only sharpen iron if they're hitting together. And if you're not bound together by God's love spirit, when you hit together, you're going to want to go away. You're not going to get sharper. You're going to want to hang around people who don't make you sharper. That's one of the little speeches we'll have on Monday to my team. It's like some of you are here because your friends are on the team. And you always kind of hang around with them. And, and if they're not serious, you're not serious. And I always tell them the same thing. For practice time, get better friends. Get friends that will push you. Get friends that will challenge you. Get friends that when you start goofing off, they will not tolerate it. Get those friends, because that's how you're going to be better. And so for us as a church, we, we want to be healthy enough where we can even sharpen one another, which means sometimes we're going to hit together. And the parts that aren't Christ-like, we hope they chip off and we become sharper. That's what a healthy church is. How do we get there? Well, there's a lot of ways to get there. We've talked about it already. And, and again, if this, if this sermon series has been successful, then one, you're at least thinking about it. You have a better idea. You know how far it is. But the second thing is this. And by the way, I've seen so many of you do this already. It's, it's really encouraging to me. But that you're taking steps. You're doing something about it. Just like with my health, I could have just lamented, oh, my blood pressure is high. No, I took steps. You're taking steps right now. You're saying, okay, for some of us, it's like, I got this really bad habit of complaining and, and criticizing people and just being so negative. And I've seen some of you actually work hard on not that being your first thing. For others of you, it's like, you know, I've kind of had this idea that I graduated from Christian Bible High School and I don't really need to learn much anymore. We can just kind of recycle the same lessons over and over again. And you said, no, I want to know more because I know there is more to know. I've seen some of you show up at, at some of the ministries that we have. And you're, you know, where maybe you hadn't done any kind of service or ministry with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and then you're there. Others of you have decided, you know, you're going to step up and take leadership positions or, or serve on some of our committees or be more active. And all of these are steps. Some of you, it's been great that you have said, this is my church home. It wasn't before, but I want to be here. All steps. But remember, these are just steps. And it's a journey, and it's a long journey. But as we kind of talked about this morning in our Sunday school class, it's a long journey, but it's supposed to be a journey that in and of itself is fulfilled. 
I was telling my class about the difference between my dad and myself when we were dads taking our family on road trips. When we left Oklahoma to do a road trip to California with my dad, it was about getting to California. And so we would stop at the sites along the way, and I kid you not, we spent literally 15 minutes at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> we drive all the way to the Grand Canyon, we get out, you know, we look at it, and my dad's like, all right, we've seen it, let's go. And we're, we're off to the next place, right? Because for him, it was like, I, I'm driving all over the place. I just want to get where I want to go. But when we uh, took our, you know, my daughters, my wife, we, we took our daughters on a road trip, it was like, okay, we're going to spend about 10 days to two weeks taking this same trip stopping, spending time at the places, because we wanted our kids to learn about all the places, but also to understand like the joy in, in the journey. That it's not just about getting to a place. And I think one of the signs of a, like a healthy church is when, is when we start to understand that it is this journey we have together, and it is this journey in our life of Christ that there is joy just in that journey. There is fulfillment just in that journey. That knowing if we never in this lifetime reach what a perfectly healthy church is, there's joy in the journey. There's blessing in the journey. And that's the challenge. And I just want to encourage you, because I've seen so much happening already, that you just keep doing it. If you don't know what the next step is, come talk to me. Because for everybody, it's gonna be something different. For some of you, it's just gonna be, you know, you, you gotta connect with the place where, where God's word is being taught at a level you can understand. That's where you need to start. For some of you, that's a very basic place. For some of you, it's more advanced. Some of you, you need someone who walk with you Kind of be a mentor, a discipler, and walk with you. Others of you, you should be teaching. You know, you should be developing ministries. You should be leading. Everybody, what's the next step? Come talk to me. I'd love to talk with you, and, and let's sort that out. So as we come to this, this last uh, this last sermon, it's called All or Nothing. And um, I was thinking about my youngest daughter, uh, Keiko, when she, when she um, decided, when um, I guess it was kind of, when she was younger, she wanted to be a um, football player, a professional football player. In fact, she insisted that we call her for a little while uh, football charger and not Keiko. And then later she wanted to be a hockey player. But when, you know, those weren't really going to pan out, she decided she wanted to do judo. Okay? And What's, what she, you know, she learned is that there's no shortcuts in judo. You, you, you can't just say, um, I want to be a judo champion. Uh, I bought the gi, put on the gi, I'm a champion. Right? I want to I stand up on that podium with the number one, have my medal, I'm a champion. No, that, as a matter of fact, at, at her um, club, 
the, the, you couldn't go out on the mat and do any of the drills until you learned how to fall. You had to learn how to fall properly. And so they would have the, they would have the kids in the back, and if it wasn't judo, you'd think they were abusing the kids. But they're basically throwing them and teaching them to fall, right? It's throwing kids. They were, they were on soft mats. They weren't throwing them on the concrete floor or anything. But they were teaching them to fall. You know, you got you to learn to fall. You had, and you had to start with really basic, basic techniques. You know, there were some very, very complicated uh, judo throws. And if, if they had told, you know, Keiko on day one, this is the throw, she probably would have stopped. But there's a lot of people, they, they go in and they go, uh, I want to do that thing. This is especially guys, 20-year-old um, guys. They, they usually go, I, I, I want to do that. It was always funny when, when, because Keiko, when she got a little older, she never had anybody to fight, so she sometimes had to, like, warm up or fight or, with some of the guys. And some of the guys were, like, white belts, and they wanted to do all this stuff, and they look at this, like, 14-year-old who's doing it all, and they want to skip the steps. But you can't skip the steps. You, you, you have to go through the process. And unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians think they can skip steps. They think they just want to be like Jesus. Like, hey, I'm a Christian. I can be like Jesus. Or they, they look at Christianity. They look at, they look at you know, what it means to be a disciple. And they want to pick and choose the parts they like. They want to customize what it means to follow Christ. It's like, okay, Jesus, um, you said pick up your cross daily, but is it okay if I just do it maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Is that okay? Because that, that would be better. And rather than pick up cross, could I just like look at it? Would that be okay? Or can I pick it up and put it right back down? We, we want to pick certain parts. We're like, Jesus, I love the love, love, love part. That part I like. But when you start talking about sacrifice, uh, when you start talking about being obedient, you know, you got to just understand in, you know, America, obedience, you know, that's why we, that's why we fought the British. We're not good with obedience. We like to do our things our way. So I'll, I got the love part, but obedient part, I want to leave that out. Or we're like, okay, you know, we started reading the Ten Commandments. In case you guys didn't notice, that's what Eric was reading. We didn't read them all. But it's like, okay, Ten Commandments. Jesus, I'm good with about four or five of them. But there's a few, you know, I'm not so sure about you know, that adultery thing, you know, come on, come on. You know, get with the times, it's modern times, certainly things have changed. The lying thing, okay, I will deal with the lying thing except during tax season. Um, during tax season, you got to give me a pass. You know, we, 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 we want to pick and choose. We want to be a Christian but not realize being a Christian means you're part of the body of Christ, which means we're connected here as a church. And it's not 
your fault necessarily if you believe that or it's not people's, people who believe that, it's not necessarily their fault because Christianity has often been kind of presented to them that way. Almost like they're just told, all that matters is that you pray a prayer that you have faith in Jesus Christ and everything else is optional. You can pick and choose and customize your Christian experience. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been in churches, mega churches, and that's exactly the spirit, and it's very attractive. There's a lot of people in the culture that want that kind of Christianity. Okay, I took care of the main thing, the deal between me making sure Jesus knows I'm sorry and I accept him, and then the rest is I can customize Christianity. I don't like the Bible study part, or I don't like the tithing part, or I don't like the, you know, certain parts about, you know, the, you know, the things about sexual morality or whatever. I can kind of customize. You know, I, I, I don't really need to build relationships with people in the church. I, you know, I, I'm good. And we customize. Well, think about the title, All or Nothing. Following Christ, it's all or nothing. You don't customize Christianity. In fact, if you customize Christianity, you are in a sense customizing Jesus, and you're customizing his word. And if you believe in Jesus, or if you believe in God, that you've customized, you have actually created your own God. And the Bible has a word for that. And, and John is going to use that word in the last sentence of this letter. It's not about customizing. It's about saying, Jesus, I surrender. I'm going to follow you all. Not some, not the parts I like. Now let me tell you, when you're, remember, John always says, nobody's perfect. We all sin. If you think you're sinless, you're calling God a liar. So let me tell you something. If you're a new believer, just understand that you're, it's not necessarily something you're going to get right away. You're, you're not going to fully understand that right away. Because some of the areas in your life that you're holding on to, they're not, you're not going to let go of them right away. But those of you who've been Christians for decades, if you're still holding on to something, okay, that's a problem. It's not a problem of you haven't had time to grow and mature in your faith. This is something else. You're holding on to it. And it's not... I surrender all. It's I surrender everything but this thing I'm holding on to. So new believers, you get a pass, okay? You get a pass. You, you're going to grow. You're, you're, it's, you know, God doesn't traumatize us by you know, ripping everything all at once. He, he comes as a, as a healer and as a friend, and he works with us and he walks with us. You know, that's why I'm not really disappointed 
a lot of times if I hear about a Christian who has like some kind of problem or failing, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I mean, I'm sad for them that they're hurting or that they're struggling with that, but I'm not disappointed because I know we all have things that God is working on in our lives. And some things God changed in my life instantly and other things I'm still struggling with. But I am struggling. I am trying. And so here's John completing this letter, explaining to a church the difference between true and false Christianity. And these last few verses say this. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So we, we, we see him summing up this letter. And, and again, if you haven't been here for the whole series, I encourage you, please, go listen to them. You can find podcasts and, and there's videos online. But if you have been here, then you, you should be hearing some familiar themes, some familiar themes that he, he keeps coming back to. And he's been summarizing the major themes, the major messages He's summarizing them at the, in this last few verses. And so he, he's, he says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Remember, he said that earlier. And so we, we see it as a point of review too. Children of God do not continue in sin. They do not keep sinning. It doesn't mean that you don't make a mistake and make it more than once or twice. If, if Jesus told us we should forgive one another seven times 70, God will forgive you. It doesn't mean you use it as a, you know, as a kind of a pass, like, oh, he's going to forgive me at least 490 times. I'll, I'll keep doing it. So I get to 470, then I'll start slowing down. No, you don't use it as a pass, but you shouldn't be discouraged if, you, if, you're, if you're sincerely seeking God's direction. You're sincerely trying to deal with that sin in your life, but there's still moments when you lapse to know that God hasn't given up on you. He's not going to reach the point where he says, sorry, 491, you're out. It's, again, it's about the journey. Are we struggling with it? Are we trying to overcome it? I mean, even if in the past few months, and I've been trying to work on my, my blood pressure, even if I didn't see the improvement, the fact is that I was trying. And then what I would do is I would try something else. And eventually I would have to do the thing which I don't want to do, which is get, take pills. And so, I would try. Are you trying? Are you struggling? Or have you become comfortable 
That's the question. Have you become comfortable with your sin? Just accept it. So children of God do not continue in sin, do not persist in sinning. And he's not just talking about, you know, the big ones, murder, lying, stealing, adultery. He's not just talking about those. Remember, that's not really the big problem in that church. The church isn't afraid people are killing each other or that they're stealing from each other. It can be things like refusing to forgive a brother or sister who wronged you. Refusing to offer that forgiveness proactively. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, they have to say they're sorry before I will forgive them. No. You forgive them whether they say they're sorry or not. Oh, but they got to learn their lesson. Yeah, they do got to learn their lesson. But you need to forgive. You have a lesson to learn too. Refusing to forgive. Refusing to reconcile. Yeah, the person offended me, but I'm not going to reconcile. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I'll still treat them nicely. But I got this one in my pocket. Because someday they're going to hit their limit. And I'm going to let them all, all out at one time. No, we reconcile. It can be just refusing to love. And remember, in John's understanding of love, love, love is, is something. It is not just what we feel, but it's, it's wanting the best for those around us. And the absence of love is what John calls hatred. So remember, one of the first sermons that we got from 1 John is there's no middle ground. There's no safe middle ground. There's no gray area. You either love or you hate. When we, when we know our brother or sister is hurting and we don't even want to notice, we're not loving them. When we know we can do something to at least offer to help and we don't even offer to help, we're not loving them. When we, when, when we, when we know that, that we love people more when we know each other better, but we refuse to know each other better, we're not loving each other. So he's not just talking about the big sins. And the question, again, is simply this. If we are moving and growing and journeying to becoming more like Christ, even if we commit sins along the way, John says that's okay. That's the Christian life. But if we're not becoming more like Christ, if we're not having a more fruit of the Spirit in our lives. If we're not more patient today than we were five years ago, if we're not, you know, kinder and more humble, if we're not those things, then we have to say, why not? 
So it's the journey. The second thing we see in the middle there, in verse 28, uh, verse 19, sorry. He says, we know we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And he's saying, children of God, they're, they're, they're from God. They have God's nature. They have something about God's nature. And if you remember back in chapter 4, he told us what that is. It's, it's God's love. It's his impossible, supernatural love. Love for friends, love for family, love for strangers, love for people who can't do anything for you, and, but you, they need you to help them. Love for your enemies. Love for everyone. The world doesn't really operate off love. The world is more about survival and self and entertainment and comfort and control and power. But John is saying, if you're born of God, what holds you together, what motivates you, is love. And it motivates you and holds you together and directs every single relationship. Now remember, we talked about the difference between expressions of love and love. How we express love, that's different. We express love differently in different situations to different people. But as Christians, it shouldn't be a question of whether we should love them or not. We should love them. Sometimes that's expressed in the church in terms of in, in our spirit of how we, we want to help. Uh, we want to cooperate. We want to know. And that we're not doing it for only our self-benefit. We're doing it because as we do these things, God's love is more evident, more powerful. And the world will know. The other thing he says here is he says that Jesus is, and this is pretty radical stuff at, his time, at this time, Jesus is true God. He's true God and eternal life. Make no doubt, the apostles believed that their, their Lord, their leader, was truly God. I don't have time to go into all the theology of that this morning, but it just, in short, Jesus is all that it means to be God. He's true God. If you know Jesus, you know God. If you worship Jesus, you know God. But he's also called eternal life. And that tells us something about eternal life. Eternal life is not simply length of life, length of time, which would be eternal. It's about a person. Jesus Christ. You have eternal life. You have Jesus Christ. The eternal part's still true, but you have Jesus Christ in your life, helping you become more like him. But why the point about true God? Well, that's why he has that rather strange verse on the end. If you don't understand context, that last verse doesn't seem to make sense. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. It's almost like, oh, wait, 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 I forgot one more thing I got to say. You know, it's kind of like 
you know, when, if you're sending your kids off to school and, and you're like, at the last minute, you're like, oh, oh, you know, you know, don't forget your shoes. Don't leave your jacket at the bus stop. You know, the last thing you just throw in. And it's almost like that's what it seems like, but that's not. All this time he's been saying the difference between true and false Christianity. And that's based in our understanding of who Jesus is. If we have a true understanding of who Jesus is, it leads to true Christianity. But if we have a false one, if we have a false one, it's not who Jesus is. It's idolatry. And so he says, keep yourselves from idolatry. It's a, it's a short way of saying, stay true to the true Jesus. Continue to learn and pursue and know who Jesus truly is because that will keep you from creating the idol you call Jesus. Keep that in mind. We can create an idol and name him Jesus. He says, you want to not do that. You want to stay away from idolatry. And the way you do that is you pursue truth. You want to know what God's word says, who Jesus is, and you want to experience the truth of Jesus in your life. When you do that, no idolatry. You know the true Jesus. Anything other than faith in the true Jesus is idolatry. Now, let me just tell you, it's another thing I said early, and I'm kind of reviewing too, so, so you know, it sounds, may sound repetitive. But as I said earlier, if, if having an incorrect view of God or an incorrect view of Jesus means idolatry, then we're all that way. We all have something we don't understand quite exactly right. However, as I've been saying, that's not what John is saying. John is saying, if you are actively pursuing and wanting to know more about who the true Jesus is, we all understand along the way we're going to get confused or we're going to try to express things before we're ready to explain them. And so it may not be exactly right, but we're on the way. We're continuing to search and continuing to study and continuing to learn and continuing to grow. Remember, God is infinite. You can spend the rest of eternity trying to understand God, and you will not understand Him in His fullness. Oh, you'll understand Him well. You'll understand Him in a way that we can, you know, we, 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 we can be fulfilled and, and, and all, but if he's infinite, you can spend forever. So we should pursue, we should believe the true Jesus. Discipleship is exactly that. Continuing, moving toward a deeper and deeper understanding of the true Jesus and becoming more and more like him. So the key is don't stop. Don't stop. Don't settle. Don't say, I got the main points about Jesus. I'm good. I got the main points about God. I'm good. I don't need to go any deeper. That's for you specialists. No. Pursue him. Pursue a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. Don't stop. 
And if you're in a healthy church, if you start wandering off in the wrong direction, your brothers and sisters are going to pull you back and say, hey, 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 hey. Uh, great, you're pursuing Jesus, but now you've kind of run out of the room. Let's come back. So trust. Don't stop. Keep moving. Even if it's just one little step. One little step is still moving. Keep moving. It's all or nothing. It's the journey. It's the pursuit. The healthy church. The joy in the journey is not that each, that just each of us is becoming more like Jesus, but that all of us together are doing exactly that. What made our trips, our road trips fun was because our family actually enjoyed being together. Oh, our kids whined sometimes. Parents, you know, mom and dad might have had little fights here and there. But we enjoyed being together. It's among my best memories as a family. That's the church. That's the joy of being a healthy church and journeying towards that. Let's, let's do that. Let's keep doing that. 